a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, uh, I was going to preach and was going to speak to you. And uh, I had talked to you about this. So some of you, this will, this this little part here will be a little rerun to you. But I had spoke to you about uh, a time that I had had with my family. We had went up to uh, to uh, Boone, North Carolina, and I went to a football game up there. And as I began to walk around. I didn't get to preach this several weeks ago because the spirit moved and the Lord moved in our service. So I wanted to come back to this if I could. But we began to walk around up there in the community and was getting ready to go to a football game, obviously back in the fall. And uh, there were some things I began to see and there were little banners that were hanging. And those banners had this phrase on it and it said, define the moment. It said, define the moment. And uh, so uh, immediately, you know, as uh, someone, especially as a youth pastor, you're always looking for and always hunting illustrations and always kind of looking for that catchphrase that you want to be able to use with teenagers and things like that. And so that began to speak to me and I said, there has to be a message in there uh, somewhere. And so I began to just kind of seek out and begin to pray. And I went to the, to the um, concession stand there and got a Coke and uh, not diet by the way, but I got a Coke and sure enough, I get the cup and what's a phrase on that cup, but it says define the moment. Uh, to define the moment. So tonight I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about define the moment. And uh, my goal, my purpose tonight is, is that there's somebody who is, you're, you're standing uh, on the precipice of something. If you're just, if you, if you feel like that God's nudging you towards something, uh, if for some reason in your spirit, you feel like that God is is, is drawing you towards something or drawing you toward a decision or towards a moment uh, of some kind of thing. My, my goal tonight is just to be that person that we kind of just give you that extra nudge that you need. Just kind of push you over the push you over the edge just a little bit if I could and I hope I can do that so and and you know and I like to use illustrations I like to use I'm like I say always looking for a story and so as I began to think about this uh, being a football fan that I am uh, I began to think about like one of the greatest moments if you're a Clemson Tiger fan like one of the greatest moments at what I would consider in, in, our, in our history and, and obviously it was a couple years ago at the at the national championship and I begin to think about that, that last drive uh, with Deshaun Watson. Now, our Carolina fans, I know we got some on the back row back there, but my cousin back there, I'm just like, hang on, I'll be okay. And uh, so don't turn me off just because I'm talking about Clemson, okay? So, but, but there was this, the last, this last moment, all of a sudden Alabama, had, Clemson had taken the lead, and all of a sudden Alabama comes back, and they, tie, they t- take the score, and they score, and they take the lead, and as a fan, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to happen again. We're going to come down so close right to this last moment and we're going to lose this thing. So as, as, as the kickoff takes place and as they begin to line up for the drive, Clemson has the ball back. There's two minutes and a second left on the clock. And I'm thinking, man, are we going to be able to pull this off? But there was a young man on the sidelines there. And uh, he looks at his teammates and he looks at his coaches and he looks at the people around him. And he says, let's go be legendary. Let, let's go be legendary. And I know it's football. And I, hey, I understand it's a game. And I understand all that stuff. But I believe that there are moments that God calls all of us to. To where we can step up and say, you know what? It's time to be legendary. It's time to do something that's going to change everything. It's time to do something that's going to that's going to turn things around. That's going to that's going to mark us forever. That's going to make us uh, that we'll be known forever. That young man, Deshaun Watson, he'll be known forever 
for that moment where he looks at his teammates and he says, let's go be legendary. Let's go define this moment. As he's standing there, he looks around, he makes this comment. And, you know, you could have I kind of thought about this. And sometimes I think about when I come up against moments, sometimes I'm looking for somebody else to step up. You know, I'm, I'm hoping, well, I hope somebody else kind of, you know, I'm going to stay back over here in the corner or whatever, and I hope somebody else will step up and take this over. But, you know, he didn't look around at his coaches, and he didn't look around and say, like, who's going to save us now? And he didn't, uh, it, instead, he wasn't cowering at the enormity of the stage that he was about to step out there on with thousands and hundreds of thousands of people yelling and people in my living room yelling myself and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't apologize for being a college football fan. I'm sorry, I don't. But, and, uh, you know, instead of asking, the coach to send someone else in and you know and lead them down that last drive he chooses to define that moment he chooses to step out onto that field and and he leads them into that last drive and of course I'm yelling at the tv because time's running out and I'm thinking they're not going to get this done and they're not calling time out and I'm like why would you not call time out right here and that's why they don't pay me millions of dollars to figure all this stuff out and I'm like, why would you not do that and all of a sudden there's five seconds left and I'm like, you can't play. You can't run a play right here. You've got to kick a field goal. You've got to tie the game. And, and all of a sudden, he throws that ball. And Hunter Renfro, which is a walk-on dude, he defines his moment and catches that ball. And, 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 and I went crazy. And uh, so it was just that moment. <laughs> so that last moment, he defined the moment right there. And, I, and, and I be, so that just kind of set in me. And I, I believe in our lives that they are, we have moments that are defining there are defining moments in our life. There are times that we get hurt and it defines us. Some of us are even, even right now, you can think back to something in your childhood. You can think back to something uh, uh, that someone hurt you, someone said something, and it has defined you even for a period of time. And it has stayed with you. There's tragedies that take place in our life and they define us. And then there's sickness that comes at times and it defines us, but I'm not talking about defining moments, not things that define us. I think for too long, we've been defined by the world. We've been defined by things of this world, but I'm talking about those moments that God brings us to where we can leave our stamp and we can leave our mark on this world. We can leave our mark on the moment that he brings us to, to that moment. I believe we can define moments in our lives. I think there are moments that he brings us to, to where we have choices that we have to make. And we have decisions that we have to make. And there's a situation in the Bible, and this is a very, uh, a very well-known story. But as I began to think about this, I said, well, you know, what are some of the defining moments in the Bible? And so automatically I go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I begin to look at the story of David and Goliath. And so I began to look at that. So I want to read for you tonight, and I'm going to pick up. If I can find exactly, I had several scriptures I'm going to read. I'm going to pick up at verse 20 and then uh, we'll read for just a little ways. And it says this, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went, uh, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. 
So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him with the, uh, kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and I know in the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to them to Saul and he sent for him. And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Now I, I think that is a cool statement right there. And here's little David and he's, and that sounds like that song does it, but here's little David and he says, listen, don't let any man's heart fail because of this guy. All you people that are around here afraid, I'm about to take care of something. My moment's come. This is my moment. This is my time. Let no man's heart fail him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his, uh, from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lions and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. And so obviously we, you know the story here and, I, and just to kind of recap, but you see what's happening. This, uh, the armies are lined up against each other and you know how Goliath was coming down into the valley and it was for 40 days and for 40 nights. He's coming down and he is defiling the army of God. He is making fun and he is taunting and he is saying and spewing all of his words and all of his things, just like the enemy comes at us many times and just like sometimes even people come at us and they want to make fun and they want to call us names and they want to say things about us and they want to taunt us and all of these kind of things. And this is exactly what's happening uh, at this moment. And while this is all going on, Jesse sends David uh, to take supplies to the front line. David being a, a shepherd working in the fields, but his dad comes to him and he says, hey, go take, go take supplies to the front lines. Go see how things are going with your brother. And so as David approaches the front lines of the battles, he hears Goliath. And he, he begins to hear all these things that Goliath is saying to the army and all the things that he's spewing out of his mouth. And not only does he hear what Goliath is saying, but he sees what the army, the men of God, the men of Israel, he sees what they're doing. And what are they doing? But they are running and they are terrified and they are hiding and they are retreating from the battle. And he sees what's happening here. And David begins to ask questions about this Goliath. And David's brother hears this conversation and he begins to get upset by this because he begins to define David and he begins to give out words like you're prideful, right? And I said, remember there's defining. People will try to define us. People will try to tell us who we are and those kind of things. But it's up to you and I to define who we really are. 
It's up to you and I to let people know who we really are and what, what we're really all about. But he says, you're prideful and you're insolent. And he accuses him of checking up on him. And as a side note, when you begin to meet resistance in life, when you begin to kind of, when people begin to push back on you, when you begin to get close to your moment, that's exactly when the enemy is going to begin to send people to push back on you. And his brother, that's exactly what he's, he's like, you're prideful. You're, in, you're just here to kind of make us look bad. And what's happening is the brother's afraid to go out and he surely doesn't want David to go out. You know, there's sometimes that there's going to be people in your life that they don't want to go fight the battle, but they don't want to see you do it either. There's going to be people in your life that's going to see you come to your moment and they're not willing to stand up and they're not really willing to step out and they're not willing to stretch themselves, but sometimes they don't want to see you do it either. And, and so they're going to come against you and they're going to, and resistance is going to come. And you can know if you're getting close to your moment, if you're beginning to feel resistance, if there's people that are fighting against you and the enemy's fighting against you, get ready because your moment's right around the corner. Because that's exactly when God's getting ready to use you because the enemy knows that. And he's trying to fight against you. And he's trying to hold you back and to keep you from accomplishing what God wants you to do. <clears throat> David asked this question of his brother, what have I done? Yeah, I can, can't you see? I mean, like I had brothers, I had older brothers. They were a pain. And I'm telling you, I had older brothers. They were like, one's 10 years older than I am, one's seven years older than I am. They fought a lot. And I just kind of agged it on because I was the youngest. And so I was, I was always the one instigating. But anyway, but, you know, it's like, hey, what, you know, David's looking at him, he's like, what, what are you talking about? What have I done? But he asked this question, it's real important. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Is there not some reason? Is there not a reason to stand up and fight? Is there, is there not a cause? And he begins to look around at other men around him and he begins to say this, is there not a cause? Hang on to that for right there for a minute. But God had brought David to this moment. He had orchestrated all of these things. He had brought him to this, to this place. Uh, there are so many times that God is working in our lives and we don't understand it all the time. We don't understand why am I having to go here? Why am I having to be over here? And why am I being led to this moment? But all of a sudden we find ourselves exactly where God wants us to be. And we said, man, how, how did all that come together? And sometimes we don't see it when we're in the middle of it, but we see it when we look back. And, and you know, hindsight's always 2020, right? And so we can see these things. But God had brought David to this moment and David chooses because it was his choice. He made a choice. He made a decision to stand up and fight. He made a decision to define that moment. He could have cowered down. He could have left. He could have went back to his dad and said, oh, it's awful out there. There's some big dude and he's yelling and screaming and making fun of everybody and defiling God and everything else. He could have done that. You know what? Nope. And probably people wouldn't have faulted him for it. They'd been like, you know, hey, I don't blame you. You're a little kid. Go on back and do what you're supposed to be doing. But David could have cowered down and all that, but he chose to fight. He chose to stand. He chose to fight. And I believe God has moments for all of us. I believe he brings all of us to these battles and to these places. And there are moments and there are times that we're going to have to stand up and we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight for our families. I'm going to tell you, husband, I'm going to tell you, dad, there's going to be a time, there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to stand up. And in some way, whether it's through, through, through fasting and through prayer, whether it's spiritual warfare or whatever it is, there's going to be times and moments where you're going to stand up. You're going to have to fight for your family, because if you don't fight for your family, then the enemy's going to take them. 
The enemy will try to do everything he can to destroy them and you're going to have to step up and you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to step up and say, listen, it's time for me to be the man of God in my house and it's time for me to take the lead in my house and it's time for me to lead us in the right direction. It's time for me to get us up on Sunday morning and have us in the house of God. It's time for me to get up and have us in in church on Sunday nights and it's time for me to get up and have us in church on Wednesday. It's time for me to bring the kids to the youth uh, programs. It's time for me to bring the kids to uh, to the children program. It's time for me to lead my children in prayer. It's time for me. There's going to be a time where God's going to bring us to a place where we have to fight for our families. Now I can remember a moment. I can go all the way back to this in my mind uh, to where Chandler was just about second grade and and he he comes home one day and I've I've shared this before, but there's so many new people I can share stuff over again. And, and, And so he's like, and so he comes home and his fingernails are like colored with black magic marker and all this stuff and I'm like what in the world have you been doing he said I'm I'm a part of this new club and I'm like what is that he said yeah we're goth and I said you're what you know he said yeah we're goth and the gothic thing I don't know if any of you knew, they were the way they were all black and if there's anybody in here like that I'm sorry but anyway but he was dressed you know he's talking about wanting to wear black fingernails and I'm like no 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 that that's not going to happen uh, around here and uh, we're going to go wash that off right now and uh, so it just so happened that we were at the mall a few days later and we were in the bathroom and the a gothic person came in and they were in the men's bathroom and they were putting makeup on and doing all this stuff. And I was like, we walk out and I told Chandler, I said, that, that's gothic there. I said, is that what you want to be? And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to. So uh, that was a good moment. But, but I, would, I can remember sitting at my desk that, uh, the next day and I had a picture of him on my desk. And the Lord told me, he said, it's a fight. It's a fight for his soul. Every day. See, it was like a wake up call for me because there had been so much innocence in our house because he had just been a, you know, just a kid. But the Lord said, it's going to be a fight every day. And I'm going to tell you, some days it has been. It's been a fight every day. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stand and fight because there's a cause. I'm going to stand and fight. He's 22 years old. I'm still going to stand and fight. Still going to stand and fight. God calls us as dads and moms to stand and fight for our families, to battle and wage war in the spirit realm, to pray, to cover them, do all we can to protect them. God's calling us to our moment for our children, for our church. There'll be days, there'll be moments, there'll be times when we have to fight for our church. We have to take a stand for this place. Because I can promise you the enemy's not happy about what's happening and what takes place here. The enemy doesn't like the fact that, that, we, that we're growing. The enemy doesn't like the fact not only that we're not growing, but that people's lives are being changed. That souls and lives and hearts and minds are being changed. The enemy's not happy about that. There'll be a time when we have to fight for what takes place here. We have to fight. We have to stand up and we'll have come to that moment. And, some, and, and for all of us, it's in different ways that that moment comes for us. It's in different times that it comes and for our nation. I look, I look back and I see Aaron is here tonight. When you went and signed your name on that dotted line, you defined the moment. You know, used to they would draft them in. So they, you were defined as, oh, you're coming to the military. You're going to fight for your country. Thankfully, most of us my age haven't seen that. 
But now young men have to walk up and they have to step up and they have to sign their name on the line and they have to define the moment to say, I'll stand for my nation. I'll fight for them. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people tearing it down and I'm proud of young men who will stand up and say, hey, I'll fight for it. I'll fight for it. As a nation, we have to fight for our values and for our friends and for those around us. There's moments that God calls us to for some of us is to teach a Sunday school class and for some of us it's to lead worship in some way and for some of us it's, it's actually stand behind this pulpit and preach and he calls us to those things and we have to define the moment and say, am I going to do what he's calling me to do or am I going to cower down or am I going to go stand in the corner and say what could have been and what should have been? And Neil was talking about this morning, we have several young men and even young ladies, even just over the last few months, they're saying, listen, I feel drawn, I feel called, I feel drawn into ministry. And for all of us, that looks different for all of us. God calls us all into different ministries. But there comes a point in time when we all have to step up and say, am I going to accept what God's calling me to do? Am I, am I going, am I going to find that moment? One, one of the things is I had waited so long and I, I know I've talked about this, but as a, as I was wrestling with the call, even as being in my thirties, I was still wrestling. And the one thing that always weighed in my mind was I don't want to be 70 years old and look back and say, what could have been or what should have been? Oh, I was called, but I never, I never accepted that. That was the one thing that kept resonating in my mind. So we'll, we'll be called, cook meals, do whatever, missionary. I know we have one that even said, hey, I've been called to be a missionary. And there's times that he calls us, he calls us to step out of our comfort zone. He wants us to stretch. He wants to stretch us spiritually. There are moments we come to where we must shun temptation. There'll be moments that we come to to where we stand at a crossroads, young people and adults. We'll stand at a moment to where we have to make a decision that can change our life forever that can change us forever because the enemy has brought something into our lives and he's saying we're having to make a choice is am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way? And I'm reminded of Joseph in the Bible and there were so many things happening. His brothers, they, they didn't like him because he was a dreamer and they took him and they kidnapped him, so to speak, and beat him up and threw him in the pit. And, and, and then he got out of the pit, but then they sold him into captivity. And so all these things are happening to him. But at the moment, there was all of a sudden, there was this time, there was this moment to where things weren't just happening to him, but he could actually make a choice and a decision. Joseph's moment wasn't when his brothers came and bowed at his feet. Joseph's moment wasn't when Potiphar put him over the, over the whole uh, country and made him like the ruler of all the, of all the uh, stuff there in the country. Joseph's moment was when he was in Potiphar's house and his wife was trying to entice him and trying to entrap him. And he said, no. And he ran, even though it caught him up and put him in prison for so long. But all that was still leading him to what God had called him to do. But that was his moment. It was the moment where he said, I will not fall for this. And it says even after that, when he was in the prison, that God, he found favor in the eyes of God. So when you do the right thing, even though sometimes it lands you in a bad place, it doesn't mean that God still doesn't have favor on you. That was his moment. That was his time. That was his moment. There are moments we must choose to turn from sin that's in our lives. There'll be times that God will bring us to a place to where conviction will come to us and conviction will fall on us and we have a decision to make. It's a moment that God brings us to. It's a place that he brings us to that we have to choose. And this is exactly where David was at this moment where he had to choose, will I fight or will I run? Will I stand or will I fall? All these moments, we have the opportunity, you and I have the opportunity to define what happens instead of allowing to be defined by them. 
instead of allowing the world to define us, we have the opportunity to say, this is what I choose. This is what I decide. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, we can flee and become afraid and let our lives be defined by fear. Or we can define the moment with courage. And we can face the challenge of whatever God has brought into our lives. The other thing I noticed about this story is that David didn't hear the voice of God. You would think that at this, huge, this large moment, that there would be some kind of sign from heaven. There would be lights that would come from heaven. There would be, you know, have you ever said this? If God wants me to do this, he better write it on the wall. If God wants me to do this, then that red light better turn green before I get to it. If God wants, you know, we do, we do stuff like that. And we, cause we want, there's these big moments and we're expecting, you know, if God wants me to do certain things then he better show me and he better tell me. But I notice that here's this huge moment. He's getting ready to go fight this huge giant. This is a big enemy. This is a little kid, a little boy, and he's getting ready to go fight this huge giant. And you would think that at that moment that there would be voices or there would be angels or Gabriel or somebody would come down and they would sit on his shoulder and they would say, it's time to go fight. I'm with you. Go do this. There wasn't anything like that. There wasn't any sound from heaven. There wasn't anything like that. And that's the thing that kind of catches my attention here. David just knew it was the right thing to do. It's, it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we don't have to hear a voice from heaven. Sometimes we don't have to have somebody tell us. Young people, you don't need mama and daddy always telling you this is right and this is not. There's something when you walk with God, there's something that's been placed inside of you that you'll know what's right and you'll know what's wrong. You'll know what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. You'll know. And that's exactly what David is happening in his life right here. He knows, listen, it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do to stand and fight. It's not the right thing to do to be afraid. It's not the right thing to do to run. It's not the right thing to do uh, to fall into this temptation. It's not the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do to stand up and to fight. We don't always need to have God speak or show us a sign and send us lights. We just need to know what is right and what is wrong. And God will lead us with his spirit that he's placed in us. If we walk in the spirit, He's going to lead us with his spirit. And there should be moments that just click that says it's time to stand. It's time to fight. It's time to lead. It's time to pray. It's time to be the man of God in my house. It's time to stop playing games and get my life right. There's times that we know it's just time. It's time to do the right thing. And also notice this, there's preparation. In verse 32, and uh, David says this to start it with at verse 32. I'm sorry, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose, uh, when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. There's the preparation for your moment. I'm on a side note here for just a second because I just noticed this and I think this is the coolest thing. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep. Y'all catch that? He had just left the field. He had just come to the front lines and he says, I used to keep sheep, but everything's about to change today. That's confidence, isn't it? That's knowing in whom you believe and knowing that with the work he started in you, that he is able to finish it. 
I think that's a cool, and that may not strike you funny, but it strikes me funny that David just left the field and he says, I used to keep sheep. Because I want to tell you, after this story, everything changed for David. He, he no longer kept sheep. He went straight to Saul's house. He went straight in. He wasn't keeping sheep anymore. And I just think that's so cool that even before he went out to meet Goliath, he said, I used, this is what I used to do. And here's, listen, but the preparation that's going on right here. The preparation that's taking place in David's life, killing the lions and the bears and fighting and protecting sheep and doing all these things. And I'm sure he would sit and he would daydream and he would wonder at times, why can't I be on the front lines? Why am I not out there? Hey, I won't be honest with you. I've said it myself. I've said it myself. Why, why, why are other people getting ahead? Why are other things happening for this person? And why are things happening for that person? Why are things, but I always go back to this, trust the process. Always trust the process. I can't explain everything. There's things going on in my life right now that I wish I could put my finger on it. And I wish I could explain it. And I wish I had all the answers and I don't. I just have to keep trusting the process. And I know that one day, somehow, some way, we're going to see it change. And we're going to see when the moment comes and we're going to know this was the moment that we've been prepared for. This was the second that we were prepared. This is it right here. And I'm sure he sat out there in days and he would think, has everybody forgotten me? Has everybody forgotten me? Have they just forgot? I'm just out here hanging out. Do they even know that I'm here? Does anybody even know that I'm here? How many of us have said that to ourselves? Does anybody see me? Does anybody hear me? Does anybody know I'm even here? It's preparation. It's preparation time. It's kind of like a good, it's kind of like good chili. It takes time. There's preparation time that has to take place for it to be really good. It's like barbecue that Anthony makes. It takes all night sometimes. Every time. It takes a lot of time. Why is my day not come? Why is my moment not come? It's preparation. All the while God was training him, and he was preparing him for his moment. He was preparing him for the time that he would pull him to the front lines, preparing him to the moment to when it was time for him to step up. Why am I just teaching Sunday school and all these little kids that are coming in? Why am I doing this year after year after year? Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, you got about 15 moments that walk in that room every Sunday morning. I'll just go ahead and tell you, you're going to wake up one day, you're going to walk in this sanctuary and you're going to look over here on this side and you're going to see a middle school kid that used to come through your second grade class. You're going to see a high school kid that used to be in your second grade class. You're going to see a college kid that used to come through your Sunday school class. Those are your moments. Sometimes it looks like nobody notices and nobody sees it. Nobody even knows your name. It's preparation. God's preparing us in those moments. He's preparing us for those things that God wants to do in our lives. God won't bring us anything or bring us to anything that he hasn't prepared us for. He hasn't set us up for. If you remember the story of Esther, I'm going to take a really quick story here that they did a whole movie on. I'm going to tell you in two seconds. But she, was brought, she was brought to the king's palace and she was prepared she was washed and she was cleansed and she was taught how to go before the king. Mordecai comes to her and he says, all the Jews, they're going to wipe out the whole race. They're going to, the king's made a decree. They're going to kill, they're going to kill us all. They're going to wipe out the whole race of Jews. 
And he says, I need you to go before the king on our behalf. I need you to go before the king. Esther was afraid. She was scared because she knew if she didn't go exactly the right way, if you went before the king and not in the right way, you could be killed. She was afraid. And Mordecai said, but maybe you were created for this moment. You were prepared for this moment. You were prepared for this time. There are moments and there are tasks and there's ministry that God has been preparing you for. He's been preparing you and he's been working. He's been training. What's God calling you to? I told you I was going to talk to somebody who's right on the edge. You're right on the edge. You're right there at that spot. You know you're being drawn to something. You know you're being called to something. You know God's telling you to do something. It could be teaching Sunday school. It could be working in outreach. It could be doing missions where it could be. You know God's calling you to something, but you're just right there and you just need somebody. What's he calling you to? What's weighing in your spirit tonight? What's weighing on you tonight? What is he calling you to? Maybe this is your moment. Maybe this is exactly what you've been created for. Maybe this is exactly where what he's brought you to and what he's had you kind of on the backside of the desert for a long time. But yet he's about to bring you out and say, this is what I've called you to. This is what I've called you for. And lastly, I said, hold on to this a few minutes ago. And it says this, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? When God calls us to fight, when he calls us to stand, when he calls us to do the right thing, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? I want to tell you, when your cause becomes bigger than the fight, you, you won't care. You'll do whatever you have to. When your reason to fight becomes bigger, the nation of Israel was bigger than Goliath. God's people were bigger than Goliath. The, the, the giant defiling God saying all these things and all that the, the cause was bigger than the fight was. And that's when you'll step out. It says the God of Israel is being defiled. Was there not a cause? A nation could have been destroyed. Was there not a cause? What about you in your life? Is there not a cause to step up and define the moment and do the right thing? Step into your valley of your life, the valley of your life and face your moment. Face your sin. Face your sin. Deal with it. Stand against it. Face your call. What's God calling you to? Face that call. Face your fear. How many of us sit back and do nothing out of fear? Because we're afraid. What's going to happen? What if I fail? What if somebody says this? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I want to end with something tonight. And uh, Give me just a minute and you can start to play. And I, I, I've talked to Whitney Burton back here. and She's told me I could share this. Story. I'm going to come down here if I can. Back a few months ago, right at Easter time, right before Easter time, Pastor Neil, he sent out a text to several of us. I guess there's different group texts he has us on. Sometimes it's the deacons, sometimes it's staff, and de- I don't know. So anyway, we're on this message thing that he had sent us, this group message. And he asked us, he said, tell me your salvation story. He asked us, to just tell me your salvation story. And so for a day or so there, there was different ones, different people were putting in there how they got saved and what had took place in their life. And so uh, one morning I wake up, I'm there at the house and I wake up and I get up and I open up my phone and on that group text, there was a message. It was from Whitney Burton and uh, she'd never stand and share this. So she told me I could. And, uh, and she began to give her salvation story. 
And I know we all look back here and we see Whitney and we see Chris and this, their beautiful daughter and we think, man, they've just always been in church. Everything, their life's just been perfect and everything's great because we don't know a lot about them. But she begins to tell in that story of how that she was, wasn't raised in church. And if I get this wrong, Whitney, you can correct me from back there, okay? She begins to tell the story of how she wasn't raised in church. How right about the time she entered high school, I believe your parents divorced. And I'm going to use your words, you rebelled. She was involved doing things that most people who rebel do. And there was a young lady that went to school with her that continually was asking her to go to church. Continually asking her to go to church for about a year, I believe it was. To the point that Whitney told her, said, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to beat you up. And I, mean, I don't know if that's the word she used, but that's the gist of what she was saying. If you ask me again, I'm going to beat you up. But for whatever reason, some reason, and she could probably tell us, she went one night to church. She went to the Calvary Church of God. And she said, and through the message, she felt conviction. She went to the altar. She asked the Lord to come into her life, asked for forgiveness. Her life was turned upside down and it changed everything about her. The one of the words she said, I've never felt such redemption. And I think the word that she used. Well, I sat there and I read that and I thought, well, that is a cool story. But I knew, I, but, but I began to put two and three together because I can add. And I said, but I also know that her mom's in church today at the Calvary Church of God, involved in ministry. I've seen her do drama and different things. I also know that she has a sister that's in church today that's at Calvary who's involved in ministry. So I text uh, Whitney and I said, Whitney, tell me the story. I said, I know your mom's in church. I know your sister's in church. Are they in church because of the decision you made? She said, yes, they are. She said, yes, they are. She said, my sister was 11 years old. And she said, from that moment on, I drug her to church and didn't give her a choice. <laughs> Is there not a cause? When your moment comes, is there not a cause? When God calls you out. See, we, we always want to, oh, help me, Jesus. We always want to weigh the cost. What's this going to cost me? What's it, what's it going to cost me? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to lose in this process? When I go out to face the enemy, what, what happens if I fail the first time? What happens if I mess up? But see, we count the cost. What about the cause? Sister, 11 years old. She's in church today about to marry a young man named Sam. They're middle school pastors at the Calvary Church of God. I sat across from her at camp this past week, just about two weeks ago, and she and I began to talk. She began, she said, I'm in church because my sister took me to church. Their mom at the Calvary Church of God five years ago, roughly five years ago, because Whitney and her sister began to pray. And now the mom's in church. And I hope it's okay. I think I can say this. In this Easter, your dad was here 
Been a while, right? And her dad was in church. There's a little girl sitting back there beside him right now. There's a family that's in ministry at the North Wahala Church of God, leading other college and career young men and young women, raising a child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to step up and to do the right thing? Is there not a reason? When your cause becomes greater than the cost, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll fight whatever you have to fight. You'll stand up for whatever you have to stand up for. You'll make a decision to say, listen, I'm going to change my life. Whether anybody else does or not, I'm going to the altar. I'm going to tell you, it didn't just change Whitney's life. Am I right, Whitney? But it changed so many more people. What about in your life? Is there not a cause? Maybe you're saved tonight, but God's calling you to something. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? When God called us here to be you pastor here at North Wahala, I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know what he was bringing us to. But all I could think about was, if I could just help one, if I could help one, it'd be worth it. See, at that moment, I'm just going to be honest with you. At that moment, it felt like we were leaving a lot. It felt like we were leaving a lot. Shannon had grew up from the time she was a baby. I mean, from her only place she'd ever been in church. I had went there when I was 18. We were married in that altar. We had dedicated our son in that altar. It felt like we were giving up a lot. His boys club class had 21 in it. We come here and there's three. It felt like we were leaving a lot. But when your cause becomes greater than the cost, you'll do anything. You'll do anything. Will you stand with me tonight? As Danny plays, and, and I just want to ask you, I'm just going, we may have several, we may not have any. Brandon, I don't, I don't have the, I can't tell them I'm not going to preach if they come to the altar because I've already preached. Last time I told them, if you don't come to the altar, I'll preach, and they ran. <laughs> Brandon gave me a hard time about that. So I don't have any gimmicks tonight. I don't have any slogans. I don't have any gimmicks other than to say this. Is there not a cause? What's God calling you to? And you say, Russell, God's, God's dealing with me. He's calling me to something. And, I, and this is between you and God. But while Danny plays, if you just find you a place right around this altar and just talk to God for a few minutes about what he's calling you to. What's the cause? Go ahead and play and sing, Danny. This altar's open. Just find you a place to kneel if you feel, feel like you need to do that. The doors are open, right? The doors are open. I, I, I know you know this, but sometimes it needs to be said. And I'm not saying this because of, because I know he mentioned a church and I'm not by no means, 
But there's a lot of, church, and we'll just say within the church of God, there's a lot of churches that don't have and don't see what we see. We're blessed people. Oh, we're not perfect. We got this, that, and the other, and we all got opinions, and we all got what we want to see and all those kind of things. I'm telling you, you go around this state, just in the churches of God, you don't see what you see here. You don't see God moving. You don't see things happening the way that you see things that are happening here. We're blessed people. We're blessed people. Uh, God's been good to us. Been good to us as a church. Uh, he's been good. So again, just thank you for coming tonight. I'm gonna ask um, I'm gonna ask Anthony if you would dismiss us in prayer uh, tonight.